Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Joining us for today's Practice Journeys podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members share their career journey, highlighting notable aha moments along the way. My name is Melanie Smith, and I am the director of the ASHP section of Ambulatory Care Practitioners, and I will be your host for today's podcast. With me today is Danny Fu, manager of the Ambulatory Care Pharmacy at Atrium Health in Concord, North Carolina. So thank you so much for joining me today, Danny. Let's go ahead and get started by talking about today's topic, leadership in ambulatory care pharmacy practice. We're going to look back and we are also going to look ahead. So Danny, to start off, why don't you go ahead and give me and the listeners a little bit of background about your current practice site and your professional responsibilities. Sure. Well, thank you, Melanie, for having me. It's always great to be with you for with a fellow Tar Heel today. So, but a little bit about myself. Uh, I currently manage a team of about 19 pharmacy teammates, including pharmacists and technicians. And we are currently embedded across a mix of about seven internal medicine, family medicine, and endocrinology clinics. We also have a freestanding anticoagulation clinic that averages about 800 results per month. And we take referrals from hospital offices that don't have embedded pharmacists, so our hematology, oncology offices, cardiology, and other internal medicine and family medicine clinics. Our pharmacists have their own schedules and patient rooms and see patients based on referrals from our, from our providers. The chronic diseases we touch on include diabetes, where we also manage insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors, anticoagulation, where we're dosing and adjusting warfarin based on INRs, and also doing some DOAC management, hyperlipidemia, hypertension, COPD, and we also get referrals to see patients in our healthy weight clinics where we counsel on lifestyle and nutrition, as well as helping to manage any weight loss medications for our providers. In North Carolina, we have the clinical pharmacist practitioner or CPP credential, which acts like our collaborative practice agreement. With this credential, we're able to define our scope of practice, and within those disease states, we're able to make adjustments on therapy, order pertinent labs, and send or stop prescriptions as agents of the provider. From a management perspective, I split my time between staffing and clinic and working on various projects across our healthcare system to try and bring ambulatory care pharmacy to the table in order to help improve hospital outcome metrics, uh, you know, sharing what our ambulatory care pharmacy teammates can do. We partner with our colleagues in the population health department to work at identifying and impacting high-risk patients, not only across the enterprise, but also in the clinics that we're currently embedded in. Well, that is a mouthful, and that's a lot. <laughs> And so (laughs) that is a lot, Um, but I think that's the nature of ambulatory care. So um, was pharmacy specifically, you know, management and some of the things that you do today, something that you were always interested in? And when did you decide that the time was right to transition from full-time patient care into more of a managerial role? Yeah, I didn't, you know, really know much about pharmacy and my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, you know, she uh, had a, knew she wanted to do pharmacy. She worked in pharmacy in high school and she um, worked at a pharmacy in college and applied for pharmacy school. And it was only up until about my sophomore or junior year where I really um, looked more into it. And the more I read into it, just you know, the more I got interested just because of the entire, uh, you know, the list of different settings that pharmacists can be in. And I think even back when I was in, in high school, I've always been interested in being involved and, and being involved in a lot of organizations and taking on leadership positions even then. And I think that carried over into my time, you know, in undergrad and pharmacy school. And then even my time as a resident, I feel like it was a natural progression, you know, after completing my residency experience 
and transitioning into a staff pharmacist position, I was already used to seeing a lot of things behind the scenes and being on a lot of hospital committees. And I really enjoyed seeing how decisions were made and the conversations that would go on before initiatives or projects were started. I think when it came to transitioning away from full-time patient care, I think a lot of it has to do with just the timing and and what opportunities exist. They may or may not be available. Leadership positions aren't always open. But I think one thing that I always tried to do was I let my manager or whoever I reported to know that was my interest from the very beginning, that, you know, it's something that I would be interested in if something did open up to consider, hopefully consider me and, and let me know. I think I did this on a pretty regular basis. You know, maybe I bugged them a, a little bit more, more than I should have, but at least they were fully aware that, that I was interested. And if it, something did come up, then, you know, hopefully I'd be considered for that position. And in, in my current role, you know, I'm lucky that I still split my time uh, with staffing a few days a week. So I still get to keep my clinical knowledge sharp, but I also have a few days for administrative tasks as well. And, and like many things that we do, it's not very easily, you know, I can do clinic Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and admin only Tuesday, Thursday. It's usually taking care of administrative tasks you know, in between patients or over lunch. And so I think with management, there has to be a certain degree of being able to effectively multitask. And I think one thing that you pointed out is being an advocate for yourself. So you you said you were afraid that you were bugging <laughs> your manager, but I think sometimes you kind of have to do that just to keep planting the seed and then also taking advantage of the moments that are available to us, even if it's not exactly where you want to be at the time. So just transitioning a little bit, we've all had those moments in our life or along our journey that have helped define us and shape the impact that we want to have on our pharmacy practice with our patients and with our, with our learners and coworkers. So can you describe one of your, what I like to call aha moments? And was it something that you expected and how did you respond? Yeah, I think, you know, when I find myself or how I found myself in ambulatory care, I think myself, knowing myself, I'm a, I can be a pretty nosy person. And what I mean by that is you know, I like to know what happens. And, and especially, you know, even during my rotations, I always wanted to know what happened after we made those medication changes. You know, when they came back, did they do better? Did they do worse? And, you know, when I was in pharmacy school, I worked in both inpatient and retail settings. And I knew that based on those experiences, I wanted to be in that outpatient setting. For me, inpatient, it was tough because again, being a, a nosy person by nature, I, they would get better and then they would get discharged and we'd really see them again until they got sick enough to be readmitted. In the retail space, I enjoyed seeing similar faces and, and people who came every month and just got to catch up and see how they were doing. And in inventory care, I think it was the collaboration and the teamwork with providers that really kind of sealed the deal for me and, and the sense that you know we were all working together as a team to provide the best care possible for patients. I think that's what you know drew me into ambulatory care. From a leadership perspective, I didn't really know you know, how or what kind of impact I could have as a leader, uh, honestly, until I took the ASHP's Pharmacy Leadership Academy or PLA course. Uh, I was very fortunate to take it pretty early on in my leadership journey. At that time, I had just accepted a supervisor role. I had been in a staffing position for uh, a couple of years. And, you know, to be honest, there were a lot of topics that were discussed that I had either not experienced yet or didn't even know existed. And with some of those concepts, it wasn't really until years later that those dots started you know, being connected and, and it made more sense once I gained more leadership experience. Um, you know, there's still readings that I go to go back to today that remind myself what I learned during that time. And, and I can't recommend that course enough for those who are looking to increase their knowledge and, and to see and experience leadership through through a different lens. I mean, during my time, there were directors of pharmacy, there were managers, supervisors, there was there were even, I think, some residents in there. So there was a, a big spectrum of, of leadership experience. And, and I learned a lot from 
the people who were taking that course with me at the time. And the funny thing about that, Danny and I were in the same PLA class. When I was like looking at your background material, I was like, I went through it at the same time. Who knew? So shifting gears just a little bit, I'm um, stepping outside of pharmacy. You know, we we as the world and society have been through a lot <laughs> during the past year between COVID and then everything going on um, surrounding social justice. So how have you responded to the changes that needed to be made um, in both your practice and if you feel comfortable sharing in your personal home life? And what have you learned about yourself, your colleagues, and your family? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to imagine that it's, it's been over a year since the pandemic hit us in, you know, in the United States. And I remember there being so much uncertainty about what was going to happen and what was going on. But you know, I've got to say, I'm really proud of, of our team and, and you know, for us being able to very quickly pivot and continuing to provide high quality care in our clinics. And like many in the outpatient space, uh, our colleagues across the U.S., you know, we transitioned to providing many visits virtually, mainly over the telephone. And at the beginning of the pandemic, we were probably as busy as we've ever been. Everyone was at home, nowhere else to go. And, and so we were able to, to do a lot of phone calls and keep in touch with a lot of our patients. We were still able to make adjustments to medication regimens, provide lifestyle, nutrition counseling, all those good things. And we did this for a few months and then slowly transitioned back to our clinics. And now we've been back for, in our clinics for close to probably about eight to nine months now. And while we're mostly back to in-person visits, we still offer phone visits for, for patients who prefer them. And you know, at our freestanding anticoagulation clinic, we transitioned to car-side INR checks, and we were able to perform, I think, over 2,100 patient visits before we got the approval to move back into the clinic. And this took a lot of coordination from hospital leadership, security, and pharmacy to really pull this off, but we were able to do this pretty successfully. I felt like this was critical in being able to provide gap-free care and to an already high-risk population. You know, from a social justice perspective, you know, I currently sit as the chair of the diversity, equity, inclusion at our facility and have helped organize and advertise for events, you know, at our health system from courageous conversations surrounding Black Lives Matter and stop anti-Asian hate movements, as well as mental health and self-care strategies for our own teammates. And I'm, I'm very proud of our, of our organization, you know, because they've faced uh, all these social justice issues straight on. And I felt like there's been a lot of great conversations being held. And my hope is that these conversations continue and, and the actual steps can come from them as a result and that we you know, just learn to talk to each other, communicate and empathize with each other. I think in my personal life, you know, my wife and I have, have had conversations with our own kids and, and our kids are you know, fairly young, they're five, seven and eight. And, you know, about what's going on in the news. And, and as parents, I think it's always difficult to balance what you expose your children to and being afraid if they're, if they're too young. In the past few months, we've leaned toward not shielding them as much as we probably did before, since, you know, they're probably going to hear about this and they're already hearing about it or encountering these issues. You know, once they get back to full time in school, it's something that, that they'll have to likely deal with. And so we wanted to be able to have that conversation very early on and not have that, you know, become too much of a, of a taboo subject or something that we want to try to run away from. And after such a crazy year, I think what I've learned not only about my team and about healthcare workers in general is that we're very resilient and we're adaptable. And no matter what has happened, we've always just found a way to get the care needed to our patients. And I feel our teams have faced adversity and we've come out on the other side of it for the better. I think pharmacy as a profession has always been and always will be the group that just figures it out and gets the job done at the end of the day. So I think the pandemic was just you know, another obstacle, you know, being able to look back at it now, it's, it's another obstacle that we're all overcoming together. And I think we're doing as good a job as, as we can. Yeah, you were one of the first people last year this time that 
I talked to you about doing drive through or curbside INR checks. And I remember you were talking about it's hot, so hot outside or it's we're in the rain and we just we just got to figure it out. And I didn't know that you were the chair of your DEI committee because I did a practice journeys interview with one of your colleagues, Carlton Maxwell, last fall, and he mentioned the DEI committee. So very cool. It connects yeah, those we have a we, yeah, we have a great DEI department here and uh, each of our surrounding uh, hospitals, you know, we have one main hospital, ours uh, up here where I'm at, HM Healthcare Barris, we're the second largest in the system. And so each of our hospitals have their own DEI committees in their division. And then we all sort of roll up and, and try to help the organizational DEI, you know, accomplish certain objectives for, for the year. And yeah, and, and I know Carlton, Carlton well, we work, we work together on a, a few projects. So very cool. Pharmacy is so small, it's ridiculous. Finally, in your opinion, you know, tying together everything we've talked about today and what we've gone through, what does the future of the pharmacy profession and healthcare in general look like? And how much, if any, of what we've gone through during the last year do you think should be or will be implemented as we move forward? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I truly believe that the future of the pharma, pharmacy profession, and I'll, I'm a little bit of a homer by saying this, but I think ambulatory care in general is, is just in a great spot. I mean, we're delivering care today in ways that we only dreamed about 15 months ago. And, you know, from not knowing if something would work to implementing ideas and gaining experience, it's just showed us that anything is possible. And I think more and more pharmacy is being asked to be at the table where the conversations surrounding population health initiatives or improving health outcomes or improving hospital metrics, et cetera, they're all being discussed. And hospital administration, I think, continues to recognize how pharmacy can be a key player in positively affecting many facets of the enterprise. And I think our goal as pharmacists and technicians is to continue pushing for our services and where possible, ensuring that we maximize our potential to generate revenue to, to try to help the bottom line. I personally, I'm very excited to see what the next few years bring to the professional pharmacy as we take the lead in a post-pandemic world. That's awesome. I just read something literally this morning that said CVS or somebody is declaring that 2021 is the year of the pharmacist. And it's like, finally, <laughs> finally, it took a pandemic and realizing our um, skills and abilities to, you know, be at the table, implement things like telehealth and lead vaccine efforts to make that happen. And so I'm excited. We're recording this in May of 2021. So come November, December, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. So thank you so much, Danny, for joining me today for our conversation. That's all the time we have. And again, thank you so much for joining me to discuss leadership and ambulatory care pharmacy practice, where we both look back and look ahead, and for sharing both your personal and professional perspectives. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.